In the midst of Hong Kong's bustling cityscape, where the pulse of life reverberates through crowded streets and towering skyscrapers, lies an unexpected oasis. Despite being among the most densely populated cities globally, nearly 40% of the city is shrouded in untamed beauty, a tapestry of uninhabited hilly parks that cut through the city. These pockets of wilderness, crisscrossed with a labyrinth of hiking trails, offer residents a break of nature whenever they feel overwhelmed by the city's bustling rhythm. But it's not just the breathtaking scenery that captivates them. It's the proximity, the knowledge that within a stone's throw from their homes lies a haven, an escape into the embrace of nature's tranquility. The hills were beautiful, and the allure was undeniable. Among these hills lies Brema Hill, 200 meters above the southern edge of Hong Kong Island. The north and west of this hill is primarily made up of private upmarket real estate, making Brema Hill one of the more affluent neighborhoods in Hong Kong due to its prime location. Amidst the tranquility of this neighborhood, on the 20th of April, 1985, a fateful afternoon unfurled. Kenneth McBride and Nicola Myers, two young souls entwined by friendship and ambition, ventured into the landscape of Brema Hill. Seeking solace amidst the idyllic surroundings, they perched upon a secluded pathway, part of the Tai Tam Country Park near McBride's residence at Brema Hill Mansions. As Nicola and Kenneth settled into the quiet hillside pathway, their minds focused on the weighty task of preparing for their A-level examinations. One could hear the soft rustle of pages turned by diligent fingers, merge with the distant whispers of the hillside breeze. Little did they know, within this peaceful moment, their lives were about to be tragically extinguished, leaving an ominous shadow over the serene hillside. Typically, violence in Hong Kong was confined within the realms of the triads, and any past instances of murder remained localized, distant from the expatriate community. However, that fateful day, both Kenneth McBride and Nicola Myers were the unfortunate victims of one of Hong Kong's most horrific and unprecedented crimes. You're listening to Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast. Brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by 1UP Media. This episode may contain sensitive details and graphic imagery. Listener discretion is advised. Seventeen-year-old Kenneth McBride and 18-year-old Nicola Myers had shared a romantic bond. They were both enrolled at the island school in Hong Kong, where their presence was widely recognized. McBride's influence extended as the president of the students' union, leading the school's rowing team and contributing actively to the debate team. Revered by his peers and respected by his former teacher Chris Forsey, McBride was hailed for his intelligence and well-cherished within the school community. Myers was an intellectually gifted student 
She exhibited a keen interest in languages and wanted to pursue a career as an interpreter. Described as astute and dedicated by those who knew her, she shared a close bond with McBride. But on April 20th, 1985, the couple were the unfortunate victims of one of the most notorious homicides in Hong Kong's history. Neither Myers nor McBride made it back home that fateful night following their visit to Braemar Hill, which prompted a palpable unease to settle upon their homes. The next morning, dawn ushered in a devastating reality. While wandering through Braemar Hill, a nearby hiker caught sight of a woman lying amid the tall grass in the distance. At first, the scene appeared innocuous, resembling someone basking in the sun. Perhaps out of curiosity, the hiker approached, expecting to find a sunbather, only to be met with a chilling reality upon closer inspection. The woman in the distance wasn't sunbathing. She was dead. Beside her was a dead man, presumably someone she knew. Both bodies were lifeless and horribly disfigured, a sight that sent a shiver of horror through the hiker's soul. Deeply shaken and overwhelmed by the sight, he urgently called for assistance. Shortly after, emergency responders arrived at the scene, but nothing could be done. Kenneth McBride and Nicola Myers had been dead for hours. With urgency, authorities launched an extensive search, marking one of the region's most substantial operations. More than 800 policemen, joined by British forces overseas Hong Kong personnel, diligently scoured the area in a meticulous quest for any potential clues or evidence. There is a photo of this operation online, which reveals the intensive efforts of numerous police personnel, numbering in the hundreds, combing through Braemar Hill and searching for clues as to what had happened. First, they focused on the bodies, but the extent of the violence inflicted upon McBride and Myers was deeply disturbing and challenging to grasp. Kenneth McBride was discovered to be tied up and gagged. His body showed over a hundred injuries, and closer examination revealed several skull fractures, broken ribs, and numerous cuts and bruises all over. Authorities noted that his injuries hinted at a sustained and severe beating, possibly caused by a blunt object or weapon. Meanwhile, Nicola Myers was found to be in a more severe state. She was found half-naked, her jaw broken, and her left eyeball brutally ripped out of its socket. Upon closer inspection, it became evident that the vicious assault on Nicola had encompassed horrifying sexual abuse. Evidence pointed to a brutal sexual assault, corroborated by traces of semen found on her body. However, the most chilling revelation lay in the ghastly absence of her left eyeball, a detail that echoed unimaginable agony. One can only imagine the excruciating pain she must have endured, as the surrounding tissues and nerves were all damaged when the eyeball was savagely wrenched from its place. 
During the initial investigation, the police stumbled upon a pair of discarded wooden sticks on the side of the hill. These sticks emerged as the likely instruments behind the grievous wounds found on both individuals. Subsequently, torn exercise books were found scattered across the hillside, presumably belonging to Nicola and Kenneth. Later forensic analysis unveiled partial fingerprints on both the wooden sticks and the torn books, which could have helped expedite the police's pursuit of the perpetrators. However, forensic science in the 1980s wasn't as advanced as it is today, and as a result, the evidence from the crime scene and the victims was not enough to identify the perpetrator conclusively. With a limited biometric database at their disposal, the Hong Kong police were left with no other choice but to rely on their expertise and training to hunt down those responsible for this heinous act. The investigation behind the murder of McBride and Myers marked one of Hong Kong's most extensive investigations. Over 10,000 locals, including identified triad members, were called in for police interviews. Yet every lead hit a dead end. The crime's shocking brutality also reverberated through the community, especially due to the rare occurrence of two British citizens being brutally slain in Hong Kong. The city was in disarray, and its residents feared for their safety. Hong Kong in the 1980s is vastly different than it is today. Triads and gangsters were a big part of the city scene, and these criminal groups had a secretive yet powerful presence much like how they are portrayed in many Chinese movies at the time. In 1980s Hong Kong cinema, gangsters were portrayed as mysterious and formidable figures. They were ruthless and capable of unleashing swift and brutal retaliation upon those who dared to oppose or betray them. At the time, the prevailing fear of the triads was rooted in their reputation for committing heinous crimes like murders, arsons and robberies. Yet the citizens of Hong Kong grew weary of their dominance. The triads were fracturing the essence of their cherished city, and it wasn't long before this fear reached its peak, following the shocking murders that rattled the city. Several months after the heinous murders, the Royal Hong Kong Police received an anonymous donation of 500,000 Hong Kong dollars from a prominent local businessman. This substantial contribution was intended as a reward for anyone who could provide information that could help in solving the case. When adjusted for inflation, this amount equates to over 110,000 US dollars, a substantial sum that would have surely served as a powerful incentive. Amidst the looming shadows of the unsolved murders, whispers circulated among law enforcement about potential connections to Hong Kong's notorious underworld. As investigators tirelessly combed through leads and clues for a long six months, a breakthrough seemed elusive until a pivotal moment emerged. An anonymous source had stepped forward, detailing an incident 
where he had overheard a young gangster boasting to his gang about his role in the death of a Western couple. To further prove his claim, the young gang member was even seen donning Kenneth McBride's stolen Nike shoes. Later identification revealed the young man as Pang Shunyi, a 24-year-old individual known to have affiliations with the triads. According to sources, Pang worked as a casual labourer and held a minor position within one of Hong Kong's most notorious gangs. His reputation preceded him as a bit of a bully and a thug among the triad circles. With the revelation of Pang's identity, law enforcement inched closer to resolving the case's puzzle. Yet they understood that Pang couldn't have acted alone considering the nature of the victim's injuries, which indicated the potential involvement of multiple perpetrators. This realization propelled the investigation forward, and now the hunt was on for the others. What the police didn't know was that a total of five individuals were involved in this heinous murder. In the intricate web of this case, the police would soon find out that the journey towards justice would be riddled with obstacles. The prosecution faced a daunting challenge in presenting a compelling narrative to the jury, one that could unequivocally substantiate the culpability of the five boys involved. While circumstantial evidence such as the wooden sticks used in the assault and strangulation hinted at their involvement, the critical flaw lay in the lack of concrete forensic evidence. This was a loophole that could potentially grant the boys a reprieve from severe consequences. The intricacies of forensic evidence became the linchpin of this case. Without irrefutable proof that tied the fingerprints and other forensic traces to the accused, the boys could stand a chance at walking away with light sentences. Or, worst case scenario, acquitted. The police needed a decisive piece of evidence, one so damning that it would leave no doubt about the boys' culpability. And that revelation arrived in an unexpected form. Kenneth McBride's Nike Shoes That's coming up in the next episode. Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast, is brought to you by MediaCorp and 1UP Media. This episode was produced and written by Guangjin, edited by Alex, narrated by Jason, audio experience by Ethan Sam, additional engineering by Ashley from 1UP Media. Special thanks to executive producer Danny Cordy from MediaCorp. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one.